0: Chapter eighteen of Forest Days by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eighteen. About half an hour after the events had taken place of which we have spoken in the last chapter, Prince Edward stood in the midst of the chamber already described, habited in a light riding suit, but armed only with his sword. He was gazing with a look of expectation at the door when it opened, and his young companion, Thomas de Clare, entered in haste. "'Oh, yes, my lord,' he said, with a well-pleased smile. "'He fully confirms the permission, and, indeed, William of Cantaloupe, Ingleby, and Thomas de Blundell, with three or four, are already waiting in the courtyard for your coming. "'Is my horse prepared, then?' demanded the prince." "'Why, the foolish grooms, my lord,' replied the young nobleman, "'had brought out the roan, alleging that grey was lean, "'and not like a prince's horse. "'But I bade them saddle him, notwithstanding, "'saying that I had given him to your grace, "'and checking them, for not obeying the order they had received. "'He is doubtless caparisoned by this time. "'But you are pale, my lord. "'The fever has weakened you. "'Were it not as well to take a cup of wine before you ride forth?' Edward shook his head. "'Not so,' he said. "'When I strike my spur into that horse's side, "'the very thought of freedom shall give me better strength and courage "'than the best wine that ever France produced. "'However, let me have your arm. "'It may be well to seem a little weaker than I am.' "'Do you go with me, declare?' "'No, my lord,' answered his companion. "'I am not one of those named. "'And, to say the truth, I did not seek the honour for i might but embarrass you and i must provide for my own safety here are you sure you can demanded the prince you must not risk your life for me oh fear not fear not replied the young nobleman give me but one hour and i will be beyond the reach of harm after a few more words prince edward took his arm and slowly descended the stairs at the foot of which they found a number of gentlemen assembled with several servants holding the horses which had been prepared for their excursion. The spearmen, whom de Clare had talked of the preceding night, did not make their appearance, de Montfort judging that seven or eight of his staunchest followers would be quite sufficient to secure him against the escape of the captive prince. Edward bowed familiarly to the various gentlemen present, and was received with every appearance of deference and respect good morning ingleby he said good morning sir william de Cantaloupe. blundell i am glad you are here you are a judge of horses and de clare has given me one which he declares will make an excellent charger god speed the mark when shall i need a charger again but there he comes at least i suppose so what think you of him nay no jesting gentlemen cried de clare remarking a smile upon the lips of the rest. That is a horse which, when well fed and pampered highly, will do more service than a thousand sleek-coated beauties. "'To the latter appellation, at least he has no title,' replied Blundell, looking at the horse as it was led forward. "'But he has good points about him, nevertheless.' "'He seems quiet enough,' observed the prince, "'and, to say sooth, that is no slight matter with me to-day. I am not strong enough to ride a rough-paced, fiery charger. But let us mount, gentlemen, and go. Farewell, declare. I will not break your horse's wind.' "'I defy your grace,' answered Thomas de Clare, holding Edward's stirrup as he mounted slowly. "'I wish you a pleasant ride.' At the gate of the castle stood the Earl of Leicester himself, ready to do honour to Prince Edward as he passed and after a few words of cold courtesy the train proceeded on its way and wound out of the town of Hereford. "'This free air cheers me,' said Edward, turning to one of his companions after they had passed the gates about half a mile. "'How true it is that blessings, manifold blessings, are only known to be such when we have lost them. "'To me this free summer wind is in itself the richest of enjoyments.' "'I am glad to hear it, my lord,' replied the gentleman he addressed. "'I hope it may do you much good.' "'If I can obtain many such rides,' continued Edward, "'I shall soon be quite well. "'See how proud Blundell is of his horse? "'And yet I would bet a silver tankard against a pewter can "'that cantaloupes would beat it for the distance of half a mile, "'or Ingleby's either.' "'Ingleby, who was near, smiled well pleased, "'and the other, to whom Edward had spoken, exclaimed, "'Do you hear what the prince says, Blundell, "'that Cantaloupe's horse would beat yours for half a mile?' "'Cantaloupe would not try,' answered Blundell. "'I should think.' "'Oh, I will try,' cried Cantaloupe, "'to please the prince. "'I will try with all my heart. "'Let us set off.' "'Nay, nay,' rejoined Edward. "'Let us wait till we get upon the turf.' "'On the higher ground, if I remember right, "'there is as fair a course there as any in England. "'We will make matches there for you, "'and I will give a golden drinking-cup as a prize "'for the horse that beats all the rest. "'You shall run two at a time, "'and the gentlemen who remain with me "'will be the judges of each course.' "'Agreed, agreed!' cried the whole party. "'I shall win the cup,' said Blundell. "'Not you!' shouted Ingleby, in his loud, hoarse voice it is scarcely fair for me however for i am so much heavier but you have a stronger horse replied edward and thus passing the time in light conversation they mounted slowly the first gentle slopes in the neighbourhood of hereford and came upon some fine dry turf at the top as soon as they found an open space where there was grass enough blundell and cantaloupe put their horses into a quick pace and galloped on taking for the winning post a tree that stood detached at the distance of about half a mile. Cantaloupe was the lighter man of the two, and he rode well, but Blundell's horse was decidedly superior, and he had already passed the tree when his competitor was two or three lengths behind. The prince seemed greatly to enjoy the sport and cheered on the men and horses with his voice and hand. Two more competitors speedily succeeded the first, and still the whole party kept advancing over the wild, turfy sort of down, ever and anon, choosing an open spot for their gay pastime. "'Now, Ingleby,' said the prince at length, "'you must try it with Blundell. "'As you are the heavier man, you have some advantage in his horse being rather tired. "'We will give you a mile's course, too, so that your beast's strength will tell. "'There, up to that gate, with the little village church beyond,' and if you beat him i will fill the cup with silver pieces he is so proud of his beast it makes me mad to see him blundell patted the arching neck of his proud charger with a self-satisfied smile and at the same sign gave him his head away the two best horses in the party went and ran the longer course before them with very equal speed Blundell taking the lead at first, but Ingleby's stronger beast gaining upon him afterwards. Blundell, however, was the first to reach the gate, but Ingleby dared him to try his chance back again, and away they came once more at a headlong speed. This time Ingleby was first, till, at the distance of about three hundred yards from the prince, his horse stumbled and came down with a heavy fall. The rider and the charger were both upon their feet again in a moment but the beast had struck his knee although not severely and went lame as he finished the rest of his course i know not how we must award the prize here said the prince for had it not been for that accident oh it is mine it is mine fairly cried blundell oh yes my lord i think he has won it said several voices round oh i have won it reiterated blundell but added laughing "'unless his grace himself will ride a course with me "'upon his grey charger.' "'It must be but a short one, Blundell,' answered Edward. "'But I do not mind if I try for some hundred yards or so "'the mettle of the beast. "'What say you to that little tree?' "'With all my heart,' replied Blundell. "'On, then!' cried the prince, "'and at the same moment he loosed the rein, "'at which his horse had been tugging for the last half-hour.' and struck his spurs into the animal's sides. Like an arrow shot from a bow, the lean and bony charger darted forth, covering an immense space of ground at every stretch, and speedily leaving Lord Blundell and his vaunted steed behind. Spurring with all his might, the disappointed cavalier followed on Edward's track, but though the distance to the tree was certainly not more than five hundred yards, the prince was fully fifty in front when he passed it. Seeing that it was in vain to make any further effort, Blundell slackened his speed, but to his astonishment the prince spurred on, gaining upon him every minute, and at the distance of about seventy or eighty yards, feeling the immense speed and power of the horse that he bestrode, Edward turned gaily round in the saddle, and, waving his hand, exclaimed in a loud voice, "'All courteous things to my cousin de Montford. Tell him he shall hear from me soon.' By this time the party, who had been slowly following, had caught sight of what was passing, and, putting their charges into a gallop, were soon up to the spot where Blundell had halted in bewilderment and wonder. "'He is gone!' cried Blundell. "'By St. John the Evangelist, he is gone!' "'What shall we do?' exclaimed another. "'Follow him! Follow him at all events!' said Ingleby. "'It must not be said that we did not follow him.' and accordingly they spurred on at their best speed but it was all in vain the poor looking grey that every one had contemned now showed his real powers each moment seemed to increase his speed each stride seemed wider than the last and every instant edward gained upon his pursuers for some way he never turned his head to look feeling sure that they were left far behind but at length, after rising another gentle slope, he paused for an instant to let his horse breathe, and gazed back over the grassy land which he could now see extending all the way down to the river. At the distance of about a mile, he beheld a knot of eight horsemen, in whom he instantly recognised the persons who had been sent to guard him. But they were no longer following upon his track. Their horses' heads were turned towards Hereford, and thither they now pursued their way, having soon given up all hope of overtaking the fugitive. "'Where is my lord of Leicester?' demanded Ingleby, the moment they arrived in the court of the castle. "'He is holding private council and cannot be spoken with,' replied the officer, to whom he addressed himself. "'I must speak with him, however,' rejoined Ingleby. "'You cannot,' said the officer sternly. "'He is in close conference with the Earl of Oxford and Lord Ralph.' "'If the devil were with him, I must see him!' exclaimed Ingleby. "'Out of my way, man! I will bear the blame!' And pushing past him, he approached the door of the council chamber, and knocked hard with his hand. A page, who was within, opened the door, and walking straight up to de Montfort, who sat at the head of the table, Ingleby whispered, "'The prince is gone, my lord!' De Montford turned fiercely round upon him, and struck the table with his clenched hand, exclaiming, "'Gone?' "'Aye, my lord, gone,' replied the officer, "'and yet none of us could help it,' and he proceeded to explain how Edward had effected his escape. De Montfort showed no further agitation or surprise than that which the sudden communication of such intelligence elicited at first. It overpowered his usual calmness for a moment, but then it was past. After hearing Ingleby's account, he muttered to himself, the shadow that fell upon me this morning was from this cloud. "'Go, boy,' he continued, addressing the page who stood at the door. "'Bid the constable of the guard seek for Thomas de Clare. "'And if he find him, attach him for high treason. "'Let some one, too, summon the lords of Ashby hither, instantly, "'on business of much importance. "'Quick, boy, away. "'My lord of Oxford, I will beseech you to speed across the country "'to Pevensey at once.' and instead of aiding my son to take it as we proposed just now bid him raise the siege and march to join me with all the men whom he can raise coming by winchester and oxford we shall soon have business in our hands and must be up and stirring what were we saying sir adam de newfort oh about bringing the troops from chester and he entered again upon the subject which they had before been discussing seeming to dismiss from his mind the escape of the prince as if it had been a matter of no moment in about half an hour the messenger returned whom he had sent to order the arrest of thomas de clare my lord said the page they are not to be found they exclaimed the earl lord thomas left the castle an hour ago replied the page and his servants are all gone likewise so i thought so i thought said de montford Trust not, soft-seeming, as a good old saw. I might have been wiser than to put faith in one of the brood of Gloucester. But of the Ashby's, boy, speak of the Ashby's, cried Lord Ralph Bassett. My heart is no true prophet if they play us not false likewise. They went out upon the Worcester road, the people of their inn declare. Within half an hour after they left the castle, and ere an hour was over, all their people followed them, their steward paying the score. Let them go, cried de Montford. We can afford to lose them. An unwilling hand is always well spared from a good cause. Besides, the greater loss puts out the less. One Edward is worth a whole shop full of Ashby's. And with this contemptuous observation, he turned to other matters again. End of chapter 18